Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have you ever been given something or bought something that was fake? Come on, raise hand. Raise your hand in church today. You ever bought something and then it came and you're like, that is not what I paid for. Right? Whether it's a, a fake purse. Come on, ladies. You ever bought a fake purse? Try to try to get one over on everybody else? Come on. Or maybe you're like me and you're like, you get on Amazon and you want this thing. And you're like, where can I find the cheapest knockoff? And I don't care if it's fake. Right? But I'll never forget when I was in, I think, middle school. I was talking to Kevin about this earlier. And I was trying to figure out like when my class trip, when I was in school, uh, was to New York City. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And so we would take these class trips. And so the one year we went to New York City and we were walking around downtown and we did all, all the things, all the fun things. But like for whatever reason, the thing that I remember the most, and my dad's here today, so you, you might even remember this, but um, I remember walking around and you see all these street vendors, right? And so back in the day, I think they've clamped down on this a little bit. But back in the day, they were just everywhere and like kind of like the old school, like open your coat, buy a watch, right? And it's like, but it wasn't stuff like that because I was in like middle school, so I didn't care about things like that. But there was this one guy who had this rack, this incredible shiny rack of fake Oakleys. (laughs) I mean, when you're in middle school, you're like, that's where I need to be. That's what I need to spend my money on. That's what I need to spend my dad's money on. Because let's be honest, that's what came with me. And so it was like double cheeseburgers at McDonald's and like Folkley's. That's what I was after with my life. And so like, you know, when you're, when you're young and dumb, you're in middle school, we love you. <laughs> About to have one in middle school. We love you, son. <laughs> but not the wisest in the world, Right. Right? Can we agree on that? I think he would agree on that. But you don't see all the things that are true in that moment, right? Like I couldn't see the crooked O on the side of the glasses, right? Like, uh, buddy, that's fake. <laughs> it's crooked. Oakley with their injection molded plastic doesn't get it crooked, Right? Like, I, like, who knew what injection molded plastic was back then? I didn't, right? And so, like, but you, you understand what I'm saying, that there's just things in life where, where you buy counterfeit, right? Maybe, some, maybe it's happened to you even more seriously, you know, with counterfeit money or something like that. You buy something, they give you change, and you go to spend it somewhere else, and it's fake. And it's like, whoa, where, what happened? It illustrates maybe even a more important truth that I want to look at today that so often you and I, if we're going to be honest, and we've been, we've been being honest the past few weeks about where we are and where life is, if we're honest and you and I were just going to look eye to eye over coffee, that so often we will settle for less than God's best, don't we? Can we be real in church today? We don't have time to fake it, do we? We don't. Because I'll just be honest with you, as, as your pastor, like 
there are so many days that I wake up and I do want some of the things of this world. Just be real. There are a lot of days where I wake up thinking about those things. And yet, just a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus' invitation to come and die. What does it profit any of us if we gain this entire world? All that it has to offer. And yet we forfeit our soul. We have nothing. But the question that nags in my heart for us, for all of us, is do we care? (laughs) Do I care? Because silly story or not, those are kind of the ways I think when we stand before God at the end of our life, like what are, what will we bring with us? None of it. None of it, right? What does Jesus say? Lay up for yourself treasures. Where? Come on, talk to me. Where? In heaven. Where they don't corrupt, where thieves don't break in and steal, right? We've joked before, like, are you going to, you're going to roll into the throne of heaven like, God, look at my boat. It's awesome. you would be like, yeah, I built the ark. What's it to you? Right? Like, not impressed. And yet, we come to John chapter 14. This isn't going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen to it. And then we're actually going to be in John 15 if you want to meet me there. But we come after all those things that Jesus has said. And we get to John fourteen twenty seven, and here's what he says as he's like winding his ministry down, right? He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Would insinuate that his peace is different, right? He says it here. He says, not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If I could sum up the last two years for a lot of people, it would be troubled, right? Maybe even afraid. Jesus comes and he's looking at us and he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to bring you, I'm going to give you, I'm offering you, I'm inviting you to have my peace. Not as the world offers to you, but my peace. I want you to think about that today because as we've been walking the past few weeks through what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in this culture, it winds us into this place of looking for true peace because there is true peace there's counterfeit peace because God offers you one, Satan offers you one. When I was growing up, we had this magnet on our fridge. My dad will remember it. It was just this little thing, and on it, it said, it said like choosing God, choosing self. Like if you just 
boil a lot of your life down? Pretty apropos. That's pretty. Like I can choose God's way or I can choose my way. And as you think about that, and as we get ready to dive into John 15, I want to begin with this. I want you to write this down if you're if you have a pen. Anything that caters to your flesh will never lead to true peace. Think about that. Anything that caters to my flesh will never actually lead me to true peace. It'll it'll lead you to be happy. It'll lead you to have some pleasure, right? The Bible's not the Bible's not hiding that fact that says there is pleasure in sin for a season. But that's not what we're after. What what we have to in maturity step past the folklies, right? We have to step past what we feel like we want. I'm reaching out myself right now. We have to step past what we think we want, what we feel like we want, because our feelings are a liar. Right? What's the scripture say about that? Your heart is deceitfully wicked. Sneaky little bugger. Above all things, who can know it? Well, we we can't trust our feelings then. And so we have to step past that and and recognize that anything that caters to my flesh is not going to lead me to true peace. It's going to it's going to instantly gratify me for a moment. But it's not going to lead me where I want to be because the peace that Jesus offers you comes from outside of you. The form of God the Holy Spirit who will come inside of you. He comes inside of you. He's going to renovate you like son of God, Jesus. And so there's a path to that peace, right? There's a path to that peace, and we've been talking about what that path looks like because Jesus said the path is narrow that leads to life, and very few people find it. But the path that's broad that leads to destruction is what most people find. And so we're asking that question, where is that path? And so today, I want to ask you, what, what's going to make you want that path? <laughs> what's going to make you want the things of Jesus more than the things of the world? Because remember, being honest with each other, there's some things in this world that we want, that feel good. And a lot of the things aren't even bad. A lot of the things are things that God created for our joy. But if you subvert the order of which you go get those things, they lead, actually lead you away from peace instead of adding to your peace. It's not, that, it's not that you can't have some of the things of this world because God created all things and in him all things hold together. So it's really just what Satan's distorted that we need God to come in and redeem so that we can live in him, through him, and to him. So that's what we're after. And so we come to John 15 because as that inner peace eludes us, we want to know where is it? 
Where do I where do I find that inner peace? Let me at the risk of losing your attention, I want to read all of John 15 to you together. And so I want you to stand with me in honor of God's word. So if you fall asleep, you're going down. All right, I think we have some nurses in the room. We'll be fine. <laughs> like I'm I'm at church, I'm gonna work. Stay on your feet. Don't fall. Bend your knees. John 15, verse 1. The Bible says this. I am, this is Jesus speaking, says I am the true vine. What's the implication if there's a true vine? There's a what? There's a fake vine. There's a counterfeit vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear, what? More fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That's the gospel. Already you are clean. So this pruning, this bearing fruit has nothing to do with your salvation. That is free and fixed eternally forever in Jesus Christ on the cross when he stretched out his arms and said, it is finished. Done. How many of you know that even once you're saved, you still you're still here? So if my eternity is fixed forever, how can that affect my now <laughs> forever? What does that look like? Here we go, verse four. So, Father, heart of God is that you would have the Holy Spirit, that you would be saved, and then here's what that would look like, verse four. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, burned. Some of you walked in here today thought Jesus was soft. What, what does true love look like? We're about to read it. But you should know that in this broken world, that there is a God of justice. That as, that as the world clamors for what is right and good and can't find it, that in Jesus we have those answers. But he, he, as a good king, will deal with the things that are not right, that are broken, that are sinful, that are evil. And so we could unpack that, but let's keep reading. Because here's what he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would not Love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not have been guilty of sin. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Amen? You can be seated. I want to give you five things. To write down five things from John 15. I'll go fast, maybe. But five things that lead you to this path of peace. Five truths that aren't just easy to swallow, but will actually bring us as a body the peace number one is this true peace because remember there's a true vine and there's a counterfeit vine there's a true place to plug in there's a fake place to plug in so number one true peace is only found in the true vine true peace is only found in In the true vine. Because look at verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. Not only are there counterfeits, but we're prone to wander into those counterfeits. 
right? <laughs> we've, been, we've been hammering that nail because we have to get it. We have to see it. We're prone to look to those things, not, not just for anything, but we're prone to look to them for our joy. We're prone to look to them for our peace. Because the Lord is calling himself a vine. What does a branch get from the vine? Nutrients. The, at its basic level, a branch gets life from a vine. And so whatever you are grafting yourself into, whatever dominates your thinking, your time, your energy, your thoughts, is going to ultimately fill you. That's why it's so important, as we talked about a few weeks ago, for our habits and practices to be shaped by Jesus and His way. Because what we said last week is if so many of us, we want the life of Jesus. We want, we want what's coming out of that vine without any of the other stuff. Without the lifestyle of Jesus. And so, true peace can only be found in the true vine. And so, the gospel is a word spoken to you. Right? That's what it said. It's a free gift that can be accepted and confessed. God drawing you. But then the invitation out of the gospel here is that as you know Christ, that you would choose to abide in Christ. That you would, verse 9, abide in his love. What an amazing statement. That the God of the universe, it's still kind of mind-blowing. Because if you really just take a minute to go there and think about everything. I was just reading, Louis Giglio has a kid's devotional. And it's all about science. And I was reading one with with our kids, and it was just talking about how many billions of galaxies are out there. And it's just like some of the simplest things that we were told as a kid. You just, you go back to that and you're like, gosh, billions of galaxies, each massive in their own scope. And yet, here we are. Little Redeemer City Church insignificant as insignificant can be. Glad you're here. (laughs) Really pumping you up today. And yet, Jesus would look into our congregation and say to us, I want you to have my joy. Why? Because you having my joy is what brings me joy. What does it say? This is how the Father is glorified, that my joy would be full, and my joy would be full if yours is full of my joy. What an, what an awesome thing. And yet we, we have that invitation. And I will get up on Tuesday... I might make it through Monday. Feeling good about this right now. But I will I will wake up on Tuesday 
and something will steal my joy. Won't it? Just me? Need to not track him with it. True joy is only found in one place. But we know that, don't we? Chances are you know that when you walked in here today, but we have to be reminded of that. We have to, that has to be massaged into our lifestyle, right? We, we have to alter some things. And if you're like, if you're like us at the Coon House, you're like, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what can get altered here. But number two, things get altered because true peace involves pruning. And this is the part that isn't as fun to talk about, right? Because what does pruning involve? Cutting. Taking things out so that you can flourish. Just think about it from a simple gardening perspective. We have these crepe myrtle trees in our yard, and they're bonkers. They grow like crazy. And then every spring or fall, I don't know which one, something like that, spring feels right, we'll go and we'll cut it all off. And I actually didn't for a couple years, and Camden was always like, you need to go cut those things off. I was like, why? They're going to die. And she's like, yeah, but then they'll, come on, come back to life. Boy, was I wrong. Went out there, we chopped those suckers down. They were like this big. They're huge, like as tall as my house now. And it's pruning that leads to life. And yet we resist that, right? Because it's painful. But the reality is, is that if the choices you're making never lead to you becoming more aware of your need for Jesus, you're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. That's life. Pruning is part of the process. Jesus said very specifically, he looked at his disciples in the eye and he said, in this world, you are going to have trouble. Yet if you're anything like me, you trouble, get out of there. Pruning away the desires of the flesh and selfishness that lives deep in our worldly discipled hearts takes love and care and some pain. And you will not do that by yourself. You just won't. We'll give up. That's why that invitation last week that Paul made to the Roman Christians to live in this radically different kind of community where you're outdoing one another to show honor, where you're loving people so deeply in spite of their flaws, is so critical. Because if all of us take the mask off, it's a messy deal, right? It's a messy, messy deal. Like you're going to find out things about people that you maybe didn't want to know. And then they're going to find out things about you that they maybe didn't want to know. But could anything be more healthy than not hiding? It involves pruning. 
That's like every kid dreads that line from their parents. This hurts me more than it hurts you. And you're like, you're a liar. You're a liar. And then you become a parent, right? Right? And I got to look at my... I gotta look at my five-year-old little perfect princess. She doesn't do anything wrong. Ever. And then Camden's like, what are you talking about? She's awful. Like, don't talk like that. Right? But my boys do something. I'm like, these kids are terrible. <laughs> it's like daddy's girl, right? Like, right? It you suddenly realize, man, this this does hurt dad or mom in a very real way doesn't it and and in that you get this you get a picture of just how much the father loves you he loves you too much to not prune away that which will take your life that which will suck the life out of you and so he prunes us because he loves us And then you go to number three, and this is where it comes back to you and I, right? As he's doing his deal, we get to do our deal, right? Which really is surrender. So number three, true peace comes from abiding. I think most of us, again, if we're honest, would just rather have the steps, the peace, Like, here are the five things you need to do. Here are the five things you shouldn't do. And you'll be happy. You'll have peace. But that's not what Jesus says, right? He calls us back into a relationship with him. He doesn't give you seven things to do. He says, abide in me and I in you and you will bear fruit. Much fruit. And then my joy will be full, and in turn, your joy will be full. It's much slower and deliberate and slower than we would like. Isn't it? It's just slow. Because like any relationship, it takes quality time. It's why after four years of dating and 13 years of marriage, my wife, if I don't pay attention to her and I don't think about her when I'm not with her and I don't do little things for her, we'll eventually get to the point and she'll look at me and she'll say, my love tank is empty. Fill it up, bro. She doesn't say that. (laughs) That would be weird. That's what she means. Wives in the house, get an amen in church today, right? Why, after all this time, do we still need time, right? We, we think the same thing here at Redeemer about communion. Why would we ever get tired of doing it every week? And it's the, it's the one time every week that I know God will show up, right? And so it comes from abiding. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you because a branch, that's you and me, can't actually bear fruit by itself. You cannot work your way to peace. That's what he said, verse 4. You cannot 
actually bear fruit by yourself. cannot work your way to peace because true peace, number four, you have to be in that place of true peace. By the way, true peace doesn't mean sorrow, doesn't mean no sorrow. True peace doesn't mean you won't experience the brokenness in this world. But it does mean what the scripture says that we, we won't mourn like those who are without hope. We won't experience pain in quite the same way as those who don't know Jesus. Because true peace leads to fruit. So if God is glorified by the fruit that comes after pruning, much fruit, the fruit then comes from abiding in the vine. Connecting to Jesus at all times because of very important detail. Verse 5, apart from him, you can do nothing. That's just what it boils down to. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Not a little bit. Doesn't say you can do a little bit. Doesn't say you can do a lot of bit. Says nothing. Nothing. But as we get ready to take communion together, again, I want to come back and just be honest with you. I'm not sure... We believe that. I'm not sure I totally believe that. I I do theoretically, and I believe that you do theoretically. But I think when we look at our life, we actually think we can accomplish a lot. And there's this facade of what we can get for ourselves in the world that leads us to believe that we actually are doing something. As Jesus stood there, he was looking at some people who technically in the world system could get something. Right? And when he died and was in the grave for three days, they went back to that thing and they tried to do something. Right? They went right back to their boat. And then he made them breakfast on the beach, and that must have been epic. <laughs> I think I think that's, no. I mean, he said, and then maybe the most interesting part of the whole thing is, what is the fruit that abiding in Jesus leads to? Love. He said all that to say, abide in my love, and as the Father loved me, I have loved you, so go love one another. All of that abiding, all of that pruning, all the things, just to get to where he would look at you and I and say, love your neighbor as yourself. The world is going to hate you, because they hated me. You are not going to be understood in this life you're just not going to if you're going to follow jesus however i love this as you abide in my love so that your joy may be full love leads to joy right love leads to joy here selfishness never leads to joy but jesus commanded us to love and then he said the world's going to hate you 
true peace is irrationally hated, actually. Right? Verse 25 says that they hated him for no reason. And so, don't be surprised by it. But as the Holy Spirit bears witness to you, I think it's so fascinating that in all of that scripture, the very last thing he says is that so you can bear witness about him. Not going to understand you. You're going to love them anyway. You're going to bear witness about me anyway. Why? Because there are some, some, taste and see. All that to say, abide in him and he in you, and you'll find joy that you're looking for. Peace that passes understanding. Jesus, the prince of peace. But it's all connected back or relationship to Jesus. 